Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Tristan Hopper. Hello. Edmonton guy for the National Post. Yeah, Edmonton-based correspondent, I suppose. And here we are in Edmonton. That's right. We're going to be talking about the United Nations taking a position on Ezra Levant. That's right. And we're going to talk about Guy Lawrence, the CEO of Rogers, getting the axe. Right, or Guy Lawrence. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Aaron Warner, W.D. Clark, Corin Whiteaway, Kelly Lefebvre, Doug Jeroul, James McKinney, Jacob L., and Sam Mills. Sam, why did you decide to be awesome? Because as a librarian, as well as as a podcaster myself, I appreciate the efforts of independent media to keep citizens informed. I learn more about my country and my neighbors every time I listen to Canada Land. This episode is also brought to you by now... As I speak, 2,577 people who are supporting us through Patreon. Guys, this is the month of our annual crowdfunder. We do this once a year. We would rather spend our time just making these shows and reporting the news. 
We don't want to bug you all the time. That's why usually at the end of the show, all you'll hear me say is, if you like the show, please support it. So we put it all in one month. This is when we need to ask you if Shortcuts is how you stay in touch with Canada, Canadian news, if our other shows are a part of your life. I want you to think about joining that very small group of people still, as I speak, just 2,577 of them, who are making everything we do possible. And our big goal this year is to do better with how we pay our small staff. We do a lot of stuff, given how few people work here, and we want to be fair to those people, and we want to keep them because we have incredibly talented people here. So anything you can do to help us keep this very strange company going and building would be helpful. If it's a dollar a month, if it is $4 a month, we have rewards at every level and we have a new book coming out and other little perks, t-shirts and posters and a cassette tape for the imposter, things like that. That is not why you're gonna help us. You're gonna help us because you know you should if you listen to this. It's a good idea to pay for your news so that we still have news and media in this country. Please, right now, go to patreon.com slash Canada Land. Have a look at our book cover. Have a look at everything else we're trying to do this year. And if you like what we do, today is the day. Please support us. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. The United Nations has refused to accredit three of our journalists, blacklisting us from covering the upcoming global warming conference in Marrakesh, Morocco. So Tristan, do you want to take a stab at uh, summarizing exactly what happened to Ezra Levant's team when they applied to cover the United Nations climate conference in Marrakesh? Uh, I think I might be incorrect, but they were applying for press credentials 
to just be reporters at it, and then the UN comes back and says, oh, sorry, we don't allow activist journalists uh, to cover the UN, which is, is strange. So this is obviously a wonderful thing to happen to Ezra Levant. That's exactly what he's hoping for, uh, that the United Nations, of all people, the organization everyone loves to hate, would keep him out because he's too dangerous and, and too evil of a man to be close to their climate conference. So, yeah, this couldn't have worked out uh, any better for him. I think he got it pretty much. Uh, what they actually said was advocacy journalists, not activist journalists. Oh, yes, advocacy. And uh, Ezra Levant is making hay out of this as he does. He's got a petition. He has uh, rallied all of the various press advocacy groups in Canada, Penn Canada, CJFE, CAJ, to his defense. And it's funny, actually, because, you know, the UN, in their kind of rejection of his press application for credentials, called him and his team advocacy journalists, which is funny for a couple reasons. But the one that kind of tickled me is that that sounds a little bit too much like a lefty thing for, mm. for Ezra. So what he wrote was, maybe they meant opinion journalists. He was uh, trying to correct them with how they rejected him. That he'd, he'd rather he doesn't want his base to think of him as an advocacy. Advocacy that's too that's too granola, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Every news organization, you're like, well, I'm the only truth. You know, we're like religions here. All us media organizations, we are the one truth, and all the others are liars, and they'll go to hell. So maybe that's what he's getting at there. But uh, I've actually changed my mind on this. When I initially heard it, I thought, oh, geez, you're going to try and hold a climate conference, and you got Ezra in your face, just like you know, getting in the French uh, you know ambassador's face, and you know, asking him questions, but. There's going to be 3,000 journalists there. Right. And there are rules. Like, you know, Ezra can't show up. Well, it wouldn't be him. It would be one of his correspondents. But you can't show up, you know, with this giant sign that says, like, climate hoax and, like, raising banners and, you know, dressing up as, I don't know, what's the opposite of dressing up as a polar bear? Um, maybe just a polar bear that's perfectly fine. Like, I, I think the opposite of a polar bear would be that, uh, that guy who they, they had... Uh what was his name? The oil rig worker character. Oh, yeah. You see, so it could just be a roughneck. It could just get like, like yeah, and, a, rig and a polar guy. bear and you're hugging. You, you can't do that. So oil you, smear on his chin. And yes, you still have to be. Uh, so, yeah. So initially I was like, ah, if I was holding a conference, uh, I don't know if I'd want, like, if it's going to make it more difficult to hold the conference. But that's not really the case. It's 3,000 reporters. He's just going to be at press conferences. So, yeah, it's weird they did this. I get a lot of heat, actually, for comparing Ezra to you and what I'm getting at is there are people who have, you know, a very, a very specific niche. 90% of the time, you're just pissing everyone off. But 10% of the time, you're extremely right. And we need you for those few times you're right. Well, this is why people say to me, like, why do you even talk about Ezra Levant, given that he has this history of bigotry, which is true? The fact of the matter is he has broken news. The rebel breaks news. And, you know, without necessarily getting angry about being lumped in the same category. Some I think maybe we do better than 10%. But, you know, the more you have different groups, they come from different points of view. I don't think that we're pushing an agenda the same way that uh, the rebel is, you know, very specifically on on, on, on one side of the political spectrum and, and, and very much on energy. They have one point of view. They're not going to publish anything that contradicts that point of view. Mm. But every now and then they reveal something. Backing up to the specific case of the UN, I'm on their side. I'm on the I'm on the same side as CAJ, CJFE. I agree with you, Tristan. And I think that it's like pretty remarkable that the UN, for the specific purpose of rejecting Ezra Levant, invented this category of advocacy journalists. Nothing in their rules, regulations, literature about how they deal with accreditation defines this uh, very like that that's the part that's really scary for me is we're, we're going to exclude advocacy journalists and uh, Levant makes the case that they've got no problem with people from 
if it's the TAI or the mm-hmm. National Observer, right. or you know, I mean, you you work for Post Media. Somebody would say, well, Post Media has been cozy with oil and and is a right leaning publication. To have the UN start to define who's allowed in and who isn't is a very bad precedent. Yeah, well, it, it came up in Alberta where the rebel was trying to get press credentials for the Alberta legislature, and then they were initially blocked, and then it was this whole hubbub. And the point I was making at the time is, if you're Rachel Notley, you absolutely want as many rebel reporters as possible because you hold a press conference and then it's just like, uh, Mrs. Notley, Madam Notley, when will you immediately resign for not respecting the wishes of Albertans? And she'd be like, well, I'm not going to do that. I was elected. Next question. And, you know, you just get a bunch of, like, ridiculous questions from the rebel and you're like, well, uh, press conference over. Bye. Sure. Uh, if somebody's hopping up and down ridiculously, you can just look cool and collect it. And uh, that was a very bad move to have, like, a, a security yeah, guard it, blocking the rebel from the legislature. Yeah, if I was the premier, I'd get as many fringe organizations as possible, you know, because then you can just you know, talk to nuts and you look smart. I want to just kind of like pick at a couple of the details here. You mentioned, oh, you know, it wasn't Ezra. He's sending somebody to Marrakesh. He actually wanted to send three members of his team. Sheila Gunn-Reed, their Alberta bureau chief. Megan McSween, who used to be a producer with Global News and Sun News. And then their cameraman, Alex Jones, also formerly of Sun News. I have been wondering since the rebels started, because something, you know, in many ways, the public-facing fundraising aspect of the rebel, give us this much money and we'll buy a microphone, give us this much money and we'll get a chair, right. um, is not dissimilar from our own here. Then that kind of went away, and there's no transparency about how much money they're operating with or where it comes from. They are paying people full-time salaries. They have like a huge staff for a small organization. They're sending three journalists to Marrakesh. They went to Paris after the terrorist attacks there. I'm not going to suggest anything except that they should probably provide better transparency. I'd love to know how they're doing it and where all that cash is coming from. Something that could be solved with just more independent media. You could just have the rebel watch and then you could crowdfund (laughs) that. Yeah, because, well, the the great thing about all these fringe media organizations is someone like the Rebel would say, okay, we're going to take a week and just, you know, try and find dirt on David Suzuki. We're going to spend a week. Like, if I went to my editors and be like, you know, this, like, beloved Canadian figure, I'm just going to find something. They'd be like, well, no, we have more important things. You know, some stuff happened in Syria. And arguably that's not, like, unless you actually had some information, that's not necessarily the best, you know, use of No, it's not a good use of time. So, yeah, the reason you want these kind of organizations is every once in a while you'd be like, oh, you David Suzuki did kill a guy in 1981, and we never heard that's not true. Hypothetical situation by Tristan Hopper. Uh, Yeah. So in terms of transparency, I don't know if uh, his readers don't want transparency, but uh, anybody out there, just start the rebel.watch.media. I personally own (laughs) stoptristanhopper.com. For when Ezra turns on me, then I can sell him the website. Tristan, this is the time in our program where we take a moment to note things that have uh, entered into our consciousness over the course of the past week. May I go first? Mm, yes. I just want to point out a story that uh, we just here at Canada Land published. This is Robert Hiltz, a reporter who works with us, writing that the Saskatchewan party, ruling party in Saskatchewan, he has learned, received more than $100,000 in donations from media companies and associations in the last decade. And though a small fraction of that comes from just about everybody else, the brunt of that money came from Rolco Radio who own all of the talk radio stations, and that's just two, in Saskatchewan. And they're just not answering questions about why a media company that basically owns the political discourse as it is heard via radio in Saskatchewan would uh, donate $100,000 to the ruling party. 
And uh, that's something that everybody knows now because Robert Hiltz found it out and uh, reported it for us. And I just okay, well, I was I guess since you're recommending your own content, my duly noted would be the, the fine and glorious content of the National Post every day on nationalpost.com. No, my duly noted was going to be uh, this is something I saw on Deadspin, just a short piece by Ashley Feinberg, and it was called Please Stay the Fuck Out of This Canada. And it's because there was that hashtag where it's like, oh, uh, I forget what it was called. It was like, U.S. is already great. So it was like Canadians sending social media messages to the Americans. And we'll be like, oh, you're already great. Don't worry about it to your election. We still love you, which was super patronizing. And it's uh, one of the things I hate most about Canada is that we assume anybody cares about us. I mean, we're 30 million people in the middle of nowhere. We're New Zealand with oil. And I love when people say, oh, Canada's place in the world. What will Canada think? I mean, you travel around. No one cares. Whether it's Justin Trudeau or Stephen Harper, when you know the Canadian Prime Minister is giving a speech at the UN, I mean that's when you go to the can because what are we going to do? It's not like Canada is going to invade a foreign country or do anything of note that matters to anyone ever. So uh, we needed the fine cussing of Ashley Feinberg to let us know. You are pro. Stay the fuck out of it, Canada. Yeah, yeah. Just have some consciousness about how small and uh, meaningless. Yeah, meaningless we are. Duly noted. Okay, Tristan, I'm feeling guilty now for just uh, talking about our own content. So I, too, will big up something from the Post Media Network. But here's the twist. It is actually by a former Canada Land guy, Sean Craig. He has been doing a lot of in-depth, diligent work on this awful story of the death of Ravina Alak, reporter for the Toronto Star. What he revealed through this extensive investigation over the summer dredged up a lot of stuff around how the Toronto Star and its union might have behaved differently as this messy interpersonal situation between this reporter and her boss and his boss. And it was a, you know, a love triangle that a lot of people say, well, this is not anything that any organization needs to look into. This is a personal tragedy. In fact, there are all sorts of uh, attempts to seek help and support from these different organizations. And it was at a loggerhead because the star and the union could not agree on how to investigate this. I think that probably Sean's reporting had something to do with keeping this alive and pushing it forward. We may never know that, but they have finally come to terms and are going to be pursuing an investigation that both parties can agree to into this uh, claim of, of a toxic workplace culture at the Toronto Star, which is what the union actually said. Wanted to just keep people up to date with that. Oh, I'm supposed to say duly noted. I can duly note something else as well. This Ken Bone thing, so this is a U.S. story, but Ken Bone, remember he was the fat guy in the red sweater in sure. the second presidential debate. The media sort of fixed on him as sort of the only symbol of purity and just, you know, a horrible shit show of an election. And then uh, something happened weird last week. Many news organizations sort of jumped on this, including the New York Times, of going into Ken Bone's Reddit comments and then publishing stories as like, oh, Ken Bone's an asshole too. So... I looked at it, and they found that Ken Bone, oh, I don't know, like, misfiled some insurance papers, and he looked at porn. But the best kind of porn you want men to look at, which was, like, pregnant women and real girls, the really only thing that he was sort of guilty of was looking at uh, the leaked photos of Jennifer Lawrence. And people were going with stories on this. It's like, this civilian, here's his, like, dark past. It seemed... Really icky. I think America's just so ruined right now. They're like, I must smash this beautiful thing. I'm all for, I mean, I, I did a, like a, a long series when we got Mike Duffy's diaries, 
like I read everything and yeah. tried to make it as embarrassing as possible. And a lot of people were like, how dare you, the media, how you, you stay out of people's private lives. Uh, so I think there is a good reason to get into people's private lives because sometimes they've just been assaulting women for 20 years or they have a crack problem and, you know, it's good to get into that. But or, or it's a trial of a senator and the and the documents you're pouring through are court documents. Yeah, they're court documents. But like freaking Ken Bone, uh, I mean, yeah, if you dug into it and the guy's like a freaking Klansman, sure, bring that up. But the stuff here, it seemed like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if the New York Times is just hiring just the most sheltered people possible. But I mean, he had... Faults that seemed strangely human to be the headline of a story. The Ken Bone episode seems to be like, this is where we're going to have this conversation about what is a civilian and what isn't. And the process by which we inflate memes or, you know, uh, Ken Bone by virtue of his kind of cartoonish appearance and that he was this decent guy asking a question during the debate, suddenly everyone's in love with Ken Bone, and that inflates him to a point where it becomes attractive to burst that balloon. And he's just some dude. You describe him as a civilian. I'm sure the people who wrote those stories would say, well, no, he isn't. He was viewed by well, yeah, he, he, hundreds of millions of people. They were saying, well, he's starting deals and stuff now. he got a deal with Uber, which uh, was good. But what I liked about it is I thought, oh, he's going to get these like top stories in the New York Times, and he's just going to be crushed. You know, He's just going to be turned into jelly. That's what we do to civilians. That's what the media does. But he was just on Twitter like, hey, guys, haters going to hate. What you going to do? I'm just a normal guy here. So I liked him all the more for the fact that he took you know, a pretty humiliating media onslaught and said, like, well, what are you going to do? I'm just human. So, yeah, I think uh, Ken Bone survives, everyone. Tristan Hopper approves of uh, Ken Bone's yeah, crisis management and his uh, taste in pornography. And you should feel bad about that. Like, you know, we get into journalism because we saw Woodward and Bernstein. We're like, oh, and, and you're scrolling through Reddit comments to make Ken Bone look bad? Like, you know, feel bad about that. Duly noted. Tristan, um, let's talk about the former CEO of Rogers, Guy Lawrence, uh, who reportedly has stepped down. First of all, like, it is so difficult to parse the bullshit in any kind of reporting on these corporate matters. He didn't step down. Uh, well, maybe he did. Sometimes CEOs just get bored and they step down. They're not forced out. Sometimes. You know, sometimes mere minutes before profits reports coming out showing that profits have had, they just leave on their own volition, <laughs> which might be yeah. the case. Uh, I mean, you know, having been in a media organization that's been going through rocky times, I mean, if you sign up to be the CEO of Rogers and you're like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just buy the NHL. Woo. And then suddenly you start going through rocky times. Uh, I could see saying like, well, I didn't sign up for this. I I don't, don't want to you know, be laying people off and cutting things and finding efficiencies. So see ya. Totally possible. Somebody says, you know what? I've really shit the bed here. I'm going to step down. It becomes very clear when reading Derek DeCloet in the Globe and Mail, who used to work at Rogers, with a pretty extensive inside take on the reign of Guy Lawrence at Rogers that, uh, no, he, was, uh, he got a hand on his shoulder and said, this is not working out. It is time to step down. And uh, DeCloet writes that, Guy Lawrence learned the hard way the two rules of running Rogers. One, don't cross the Rogers family. And two, you must produce results. Guy Lawrence came in and he spoke the language that everybody wanted to hear in a huge media and telecom company like Rogers. He talked about Rogers' terrible customer service, and that resonates with so many people. Everybody knows that. Everybody within Rogers knows that, that they're awful to deal with. He's going to fix that, cut down the bureaucracy, improve customer retention. Yeah, it did increase wireless customers. Yes. But then Show Me went down in flames. And then Show Me went down in flames, which I think that the bigger takeaway from his time there is that every single failure and move that you read about indicated that content is something that Rogers is not making as much money out of and that they are moving away from. 
with the exception, you know, as they they slash Rogers Publishing, Show Me going down. The one big move he made was getting into business with Vice. First of all, I'm surprised that uh, Rogers is being run by CEO. I thought it was just several men named Roger. But uh, yeah, in terms of, uh, I think he's experiencing what any media organization is experiencing. Yeah, it's harder to just sell a magazine like in the old days. So uh, I don't know if this is new for Rogers, that suddenly they're just reaching the like, oh, here's some like stuff on a piece of paper and uh, you know you can buy it and that's becoming a problem. But Rogers is an interesting case compared to say post media is because they have, you know, self wireless self like they have a, a side of the organization that can make money and prop up the other side. Your magazines are getting the crap kicked out of them, but you just sold a bunch of new uh, wireless subscriptions. You don't want all we have is newspapers and newspapers aren't doing good. We got we got to open something, I don't know, a drug section of post media and then uh, <laughs> these wouldn't be a problem. Hold on though, hold on. Like you say like, well, on the one hand the magazines aren't doing great, but on the other hand we got this successful telecom thing happening. Let's just like put in perspective the scale here. And this tells us a little bit of something about the media in Canada. Rogers is a $28 billion company, okay? You could take their publishing operations and their television and anything that they touch that has to do with content, and it is dwarfed by the amount of money they make selling us wireless services, internet access, still phone services. That is the overwhelming majority because they have an oligopoly. They are part of the big three. And that is a license to make big money. Mm. Big media in Canada is not about content. There are big media companies in the States. When we think about the Rogers and the Bells of the world, they are not in media the same way. They're just selling us access to the pipes. The media in the States make creative decisions at a high corporate level that are incredibly consequential, about hundreds of millions of dollars that are about who's going to host a show, what are you going to green light, what kind of vertical are you going to build for which demographic. They're in news, they're in show business at a corporate level. These corporations in Canada do content as a, like... It's an aside. And the real money that they glean from content has to do with simply being yeah, like, a dumb passage What do people for watch? Her. Oh, they, they seem to like this Hockey Night in Canada thing. Uh, we'll hire that guy. And uh, this, sure. this, this guy with the earring. Or just buying the rights the to American sitcoms and drama shows. Uh, yeah. So I suppose that's correct. I mean, it, it's, it's at such a level where the biggest thing that they seem to have done, I guess besides hockey, is this Vice deal, which is a $100 million deal, although I think maybe $50 million of that is in-kind services. But there's like a lot of cash in that deal. In my world, that was a big thing where they hired a ton of people and start making all these shows with Vice. It is sort of dismissed out of hand by Derek DeCloet as uh, the Vice deal was a minor error. In the large scheme of things, the bigger failure of Guy Lawrence, he could have done that as a loss leader and just to seem like he's keeping things young and cool. Okay, we're in business with Vice. Who cares if it doesn't work out? It was interesting to me. Like, I don't follow the business yeah, community. Ideally, you want with these organizations, you want someone who just likes the idea of journalism. Like Bloomberg. Bloomberg, humongous organization, and it makes all its money from the terminals. Bloomberg Business, the magazine. Michael Bloomberg bought that for like, it was something ridiculous. It was like $10 million. Yeah. And Michael Bloomberg is a multi-billionaire. He's one of the richest people in the United States. I mean, he bought a magazine for less money than his house. One of his houses. <laughs> right. And he's just like, oh, we'll just run this magazine and make it an extremely good business magazine. Because I can. So I think what you're getting at is you want... Uh, I'm, I'm sure your audience doesn't like Conrad Black, but, you know, just a big evil billionaire who likes the idea of, of journalism just for fun, which was kind of like the National Post. He just said, I'm just going to throw money at it and up yours, Globe and Mail. Here's a competitor. 
That's what Citizen Kane said. It would be terribly fun to run a newspaper, right? Th- but this I'm is, sure the exchange was exactly the same, and his longtime business partner ripped up the statement of principles. And then- who was Joseph Cotton in that deal? The guy who later betrayed him, I suppose. It's humbling, I guess, to realize just what an afterthought everything in Canadian media is to the real engines of profit. And, and, you know, some of this is, like, just interesting to read. Derek DeClaude writing about how the real problem for Guy Lawrence was that he pissed off George Cope at Bell and called them crybaby Bell for their whining about CRTC decision and then found himself in a terrible situation when BCE Bell signed a deal, $594 million to this retail chain that deals with wireless wave that Rogers needs a piece of. And then after spending $594 million on this, Bell sold half of it back to Rogers for $473 million. So you're talking about a huge error compared to the Vice error. Talking about what this means for the future of the media in Canada, I, like, I really feel like we want to have people running our news and content services who actually live and die by the quality of the news and content and shows. And, and Well, not necessarily. I mean, because Guy Lawrence did bring up wireless subscribers and he can increase profitability there. I think you need a balance. I think ideally you want a model where you have someone at the head who knows how to run the financials and stuff, and then we'll have sort of the content section and provide some freedom to it, because I do think those things are largely mutually exclusive. I mean, just look at the lack of business savvy among reporters. We have no clue what's going on. Well, that's got to change, man. I think a reporter in 2016 cannot stand by this church and state distinction. You you can't Mm. divorce yourself from how the news is going to make money if you want to have a career and you're doing this this year like that, that that's a luxury we can't afford anymore oh yeah i agree but uh i, I don't know i, I if, you, if, you, if, you can, if you can find this magic person who has both business savvy and a respect for content uh yeah i'm all for that but well i'm saying that the divorce that i think a lot of people have seen as virtuous that you know well the the, the teeny little margins oh, yeah, where people are proud of like how much does your news well, you think that you're i actually, don't fucking know yeah, yeah that's that, i don't do that no that's that's weird not just that but if you have these mega corporations that don't really care if there's like a little minor variation in subscriber rates or whether your readers are really pissed off with your newspaper because the newspaper only exists as sort of a public, you know, it's almost like the PR wing. You're much more connected if the people who are making business decisions for media actually think that if they have better content, they'll do better business-wise. Mm-hmm. I don't buy that uh, that hurts the content. I think that makes the content more connected to the people it serves. Yeah, I mean, here's the theory. The larger and more faceless your corporation, the more the media is just sort of left alone. Because again, Rogers, you would think they're not paying close attention to McLean's month-by-month uh, subscriber levels because they got bigger fish to fry. So I think that's true. I mean, ideally within an organization like that is you have, it's one of those things where you check in every five years and it's like, oh, how many people are subscribing to like cottage life? And the only thing that changes is when those numbers fall off a cliff, you say, oh, this is just a money suck. Let's just go to monthly. Yeah. And you don't really care if they have picked things up or if the content is fantastic or, you know what, this is actually really getting to be a much better magazine than it used to be. Let's put more into this. I guess what I'm saying is that, is that massive consolidated corporate media in Canada has failed Canadians. Uh, no, no, I believe post media has, has provided nothing but truth and goodness to the people of Canada. Tristan Hopper, uh, it's been good having you here. That is your Canada Land Shortcuts for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me anytime at jesse at canadalandshow.com. And we are on Twitter at Canada Land. Tristan, where can people find you? Uh, nationalpost.com. You on Twitter? 
Oh, yes. Uh, my name, Tristan Hopper. Our website is canadalandshow.com. And guys, our Patreon site where we need your support right now is patreon.com slash canadaland. Canada Land Shortcuts this week is recorded by Katie Jensen and produced by Kevin Sexton. We make Canada Land available to community and campus radio across this country for free. And Russell Gragg handles that. If you like what we do, please support us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.